3: Here's the Fangirls on Jackalope Radio.
2: Hey everybody and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Ed Jessica Dwyer, and with me as always are my two lovely and talented co-hosts, Mr. Carl Duty.
1: Thumbs hurting. So much Street Fighter. <laughs> it's only one day after its release. I'm so old. <laughs> it's pathetic
2: and mr eric smith
0: hey everybody it's time to make the chimmy freaking chongas
2: <laughs> oh my god so many chimmy chongas uh so yes we will be talking about the epic that is deadpool and the ripples that the pool will be having within the world of the comic book movie verse see what i did there i made a joke um yeah. Yeah, humor. it was humor, um, which is a lot to do with the appeal of Deadpool. Um, filthy, filthy, filthy humor. It was so good. Um, so we will be talking about Deadpool. We will be talking about Street Fighter V, and we will be talking about Doctor Who because yours truly will be appearing at Wizard World Portland this weekend. Woo! guys can be about that that's thanks 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 well did we get to appear was it world
1: portland this weekend
2: well are you in portland well, no. Okay, no. Then Mentally.
1: You,
2: <laughs> you will be there in spirit with me on stage. It's, it's going to be a great show. I'm really excited, and I wish you guys were there with me. Someday, someday that will happen. Um, but it's going to be a great show, and it's going to be packed. I'm almost terrified of what Saturday is going to do to that convention center because everybody from Doctor Who is going to be there. It's going to be insane, including the Doctor,
1: All 12 doctors?
2: That would be just really weird since, like, the first three are gone.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you said it. You said everyone was going to be there.
2: Everyone, like, as in Alex Kingston, John Barrowman, Arthur Darville, um, Matt Smith, you know?
1: So, okay, and those are all well and good, but by your statement, mon capitan,
2: I will. I
1: want going, going to be there, and we've established that not all twelve doctors are going to be there. Not Eric 13, or myself. are going to be. there.
2: Doctors.
1: I'm. Ju- I just think Eric and I should start our. Own I
2: well. I, I think. God, well, there's, I, all, there's mutiny. I feel mutiny is happening. Mutiny. I is think on now.
1: this on
0: this Doctor Who panel, you could have a little branch of a DC TV panel.
2: Well, actually, yeah. actually, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe pony up some some dollars and. Flies.
2: I am going to be on a DC Marvel movie and TV verse panel.
1: Oh, you get to be on a panel!
2: I get to be on three panels. It's going to be crazy, um, Eric.
1: She gets to be on a Marvel t- DC panel. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that great that she gets to be they on hate
2: the panel? Why do they hate me?
1: It is very good for her. <laughs> I'm We're to be, be
2: Jess,
1: the question is, why do we hate you? The question is not, why do we hate you? The question is, why don't you love us?
2: Oh, Jesus. <laughs> God. I'm no. just going to
0: sit back and listen. To yes.
2: It. Yes. No, I'm, I, I, I'm so sorry that you're not there with me on the panels. I I would have you immediately on the panels. I would have you be a part of the panels. Um it's going to be a great show though and I'm really excited for it. Uh we're going to be um showing um the inside a blue box film that our um fangirl uh Sarah Buck did that um and I'm going to be on that panel. Guys Okay. Um, so there's gonna be three panels total and that I'm gonna be a part of. I'm gonna be I have so much fun there. Um, there's it's Wizard World Portland has grown huge and it's gonna be fantastic and I'm very excited. The saying, the saying.
0: Well, I'm excited for you.
2: And it's going to be a continuation of my um, Doctor Who A Journey Through Genres I'm going to be talking about at my panels. Uh, so really excited. It's going to be fun times. And I'm probably going to get lynched at that DC Marvel thing because I'll say something wrong or something that they don't. Uh, <laughs> something that will probably rub someone the wrong way because we know that. No. Happens at all yep. with you.
0: Genre fans are the most understanding.
2: Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Yes, they just, are.
1: Just don't say that you think that Ben Affleck and Batman v Superman should actually be Deathstroke and Christian Bale okay. should be at the end of the film. But they should. No. Shh, shh, shh. It's okay. It's all right. Just I'm trying to keep you safe. I'm trying to protect you from yourself. Listen, this is. This is my last rodeo with you guys for a little while. I know.
2: There's a baby yeah. duty coming. There's a baby duty. There
1: is a baby. And Fangirl Nation, as much as I love spending time with you guys, I got to step away from Fangirl for a little bit. Not permanently, mind you. Don't worry. I'll be back. But for <laughs> a little bit, I'm going to be stepping away to attend to babyness. Babiness.
0: You're, you're stepping away to increase the size of Fangirl Nation. Exactly. By one. Exactly. Yes.
2: Because yeah. it, if you go by Borg standards, this child is just part of us. Part We're of all one collective. I want to tell you guys how
1: much my geek gene permeates into my DNA. When we, when we got the first ultrasound pictures done, one of them, the kid looked exactly like Venom.
2: Oh, that's true. I saw it. And now... <laughs> The most
1: recent ones, they did one of those like three D shots, and the kid's hands were throwing a hadoken.
2: Oh my! <laughs> That's that like, my, some... my
1: kid throwing a hadoken in the womb.
2: That's some power, God! I hope that it isn't though, because that your poor wife. I... <laughs> That's gonna suck with the baby
1: comes. In. <laughs> She's a champ. Chilling. spirits. And when the kid comes, I'm going full on Tiger Woods dad with his training.
2: I can, I can, you know, I, I, it's, I guess that's better than Chun-Li with the kicking. Cause that could be really messy. That can
1: cause some problems.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, so this is Carl's last rodeo with us for a while. And so I'm sure he's going to enjoy it because we're going to be talking Deadpool. We're going to be talking Street Fighter V, which has caused his thumbs to become numb. And um, we're going to be talking Doctor Who towards the end because we're going to have some special guests on, hopefully. Um, but before we do that, got a really quick recap of the week in Geek because there was some major stuff that went down um, on The Walking Dead, and I know uh, Carl and Eric haven't seen this yet, but it's the ripples have been felt across the fandom of The Walking Dead. And this was probably one of the top five episodes ever of the series, not season, the entire series. This was such a great mid-season premiere that uh, it's going to there's going to have to really I mean, I'm, they this is setting up for Negan because mm-hmm. this episode was brutal. There was no one safe. And that was evident in the first five minutes when a child was eaten on screen
1: nice yes
2: the most annoying i mean people were like hearing this kid's death cuz he was the most annoying horrible kid ever and in the first 10 to 15 minutes like 10 minutes i think this all went down we had kid kid eaten mom was eaten rick chopping off the mom's hand because it was holding on to carl while hurts you know and carl couldn't get away her other son deciding That he's going to take revenge because he's blaming all of this on Rick and company when, in fact, he just has a horrible family. His dad was an abuser and his brother was stupid. Um, So (laughs) he decides he's going to shoot Carl and Michonne stabs him with a sword. He doesn't get eaten by zombies. Michonne kills this uh, teenager with a sword with no hesitation. And the shot gets off and blows blows out Carl's eye, which happens in the comics, which we knew. Mm-hmm. And it was a really well-done scene. Like in the, that's in the space of t- of like the first 10 minutes. That is some intense crap, man, for a Walking Dead episode. It, to pack that in. But it kind of, it's good because in the first the, the at the mid-season finale the mid-season finale that they had was sort of boring. And this kind of ramped it up. And now we've got it set for Negan coming at the end of this season. He's going to show up. And the rumor mill is I'm on team Daryl's going to get the bat. I don't think it's going to be Glenn. And uh, the reason I think that is due to the fact that uh, they kind of tested the waters with Glenn dying with their whole prank, like, you know, trolling that they did. And the reaction was so big that Glenn could not die. I think it's going to be Daryl.
0: I think yeah, that's... but the reaction if Daryl dies is going
1: to be ten times bigger. He's
2: too safe. The Daryl, yeah, the, the Dixon, I, the Dixon thing is he's too safe.
1: I don't even watch the show, but I've seen the T-shirts. Apparently, if this Daryl, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, if this <laughs> Daryl dies, some people will in fact riot.
2: But he's too safe. And part of the reason I think it's going to happen, besides the whole, you know, uh, faky with Glenn, is the fact that Daryl is, has set himself up to be untouchable in the show. Uh, Norman Reedus has a new series going to be on AMC. He's got film work coming up. He's doing Boondock Saints 3. I mean... At this point, he's so big and so safe on the show that I think, it's, I think that's what's going to happen. And, and then you have Negan come on, who's going to just chew scenery like a dog and be awesome.
1: So do you think they're kind of going to vanish the character of Daryl for maybe a season or two while Reedus does a lot of these other projects? No, I think that- he's
2: going to have his head knocked off with a bat. I think they're going to kill him. I really do. I think that's going to happen, and if it doesn't happen, I will be shocked. But um, either it's going to be Daryl or it's Glenn. It's one of the uh, one or the other. Those are the two. Those are the two. And I think that I think Glenn is just such uh, he's got so much more to, to, to do in the show, especially with what they've announced now with Maggie being pregnant. Um, I think that it's I think it's going to be Daryl. I, because first of all, he's a non—he's a—he's a, he's a non—you know—you don't know anything about what can happen with him. You know, Glenn—we know that's like everybody knows what happens with Glenn. But Daryl's that non—you know—that quantity that no one knows what can happen with him because he's such an—he's an original character. And I think he—he's good. I think he's good for it. I think that's what's going to happen. All righty Eric what do you think
0: um well I still say barring any behind the scenes shenanigans that Rick and Daryl will never die
2: so you think it's going to be Glenn you think it's going to I think
0: it's going to be Glenn Um, I just now you did mention that he's got movie work and, and another show yep so that makes it a tiny possibility, but I think that's the only, the, I think the only reason they would kill him off is if he couldn't be on the show anymore, or chose not to be on the show anymore. I don't think they would ever do it just for the story.
2: Yeah, You don't think they do it for like, wow, we want to improve our storyline?
0: <laughs> we'll no, go- I don't. They won't. I don't think they'll kill off Rick. Or Daryl for the story. They'll keep those two alive for as long as possible, and then, as I said, Carol and Carl are the next two in in uh, line for safety. Um, I think Glenn is more likely to be killed off than any of the the other four that I just mentioned.
2: Wow. Well, I'm curious to see how it plays out. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if there's going to be a betting pool for it. A dead pool. A dead pool. Exactly. <laughs>
4: I set you up there.
2: <laughs> uh, Really quickly, though, I wanted to talk about, before we go into Deadpool, I want to talk about another Marvel property, which is Agent Carter. Um, Agent Carter did a double um, episode uh, last night, I think it was, or the night before. I can't remember what night it played, because I watched it on Hulu. And uh, it was fantastic. The the thing that I'm sad about is it sounds like Agent Carter is going to be no more after this season. And that that's s- what I heard. sucks because this is this is turning out to be a really good season. And IO9, who I've had issues with in the past, actually had a decent article about this. That this season's tackling some really cool stuff, including um women's roles after World War Two and uh, this one also major um, racism issues in there, and it's tackling them head on. And they've created a really cool villain in Whitney Frost, and they're making her um, very sympathetic, but at the same time, brutal. Uh, and it's it's just a really cool play. And they brought Dottie back, so she's like a nut job. And it was just a really, really neat to watch these two uh, together. Uh, these two episodes and but it's driving home the fact that I think we only have what two maybe three left of the series and I think what do they're gonna think, go ahead
0: well do you think they showed the two episodes because they're just gonna burn off the rest and and be done with it
2: well um they I think agents the shield comes back next month so um yeah. yeah and so they're I think they're just you know they're ramping it up to get to stir up the interest in that, and it's coming. Yep. So we knew that. I think what's going to happen is they're going to have Marvel's most wanted be the new, you know, mid-season series to give you know what they're doing with stacking that and Agents of Shield. Um, yeah,
1: it was, Agent Carter. I love the show, um, but it was never intended to go. Like, when it was originally conceived, it was conceived just as an eight-episode miniseries. Right. And then that got some decent ratings. They're like, okay, let's do another season. I think if Marvel is smart, they'll keep, like, obviously they'll keep Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. going. And then every two, for like, for a two, three-season stretch, their hiatus show, change it up.
2: Yeah, I think that's like, cool.
1: Okay, you want to do two seasons of Agent Carter? Fine. Then do like two seasons or three seasons of Marvel's Most Wanted, and then do something else after that. Right. Because there's so much stuff out there they can mine and, and do and try out in that span of time where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is kind of off.
2: Right, and they and they have so many uh, the lesser known properties that they could do something with. And tie it in yeah. the shield. I, th- I think they, they would be smart to do it that way. It just sucks because I really, really love Peggy and Jarvis together. And this episode, this, the the second episode, you got to see Jarvis be just... He turned into a badass when he found out his wife was in danger. And then all things went really badly with his wife. And it's very sad. And they are such a neat couple. Um, but I really love the the whole the whole thing that they're doing with this season. And I love the old school Hollywood stuff and the starlet and how they based her off of an actual actress who was a scientist in real life. Um, so it was a really, it's a really neat season, but it just bums me out that, you know, maybe they'll bring it back.
0: Well, I want to address Marvel studios directly because you know, they listen. <laughs> to <this show>. Yes. <laughs> we
2: have a, a mouthpiece to them directly. Yes.
0: I want the Howling Commandos and I don't mean the World oh. War II. I want the monster
1: group. The Howling oh, Commandos. God. Awesome. That would be a show. And you know what said it in the seventies?
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, yes. I'm down for that. I'm I'm oh, good with that.
0: Speaking of period pieces, with Agent Carter in uh Hollywood, I was really hoping to see the agents of Atlas in this this uh this season.
2: I think they've, they've maxed out their number of characters they can actually have.
0: They could at least reference it. <laughs> Come on. This is, this is the, the, Are you listening, the Marvel? <laughs> this is the decade of the Easter egg. As far as uh, comic book stuff goes, you know, every show, every movie just packs everything full of Easter eggs.
2: Well, I think that's a perfect segue to, the the one of the main discussions we're having tonight which is Deadpool. Easter? Yes, Easter. <laughs> e- well, yeah, they did do a happy Easter segment, didn't they? Did was there was there Easter in that certain scene? <laughs> I don't believe so now. <laughs> so, yes, Deadpool happened to everyone and it was glorious. Um
1: it- yeah it was a, it was pretty awesome uh, wow wow so much There was there's so where much. I thought they were going to go with it with the R rating and then there's were
2: where they, they actually
1: went with. <laughs> and, the, and the great thing about it was like none of it felt hey we're just doing this because we can it all worked in the flow of the film Like all the humor, all the scenes, everything, it just it worked together. There wasn't like a gratuitous, hey, we're just doing this because we can, because it's R rated.
2: Right. No, and and...
1: like like in a three D film when there's the obligatory throw something at the screenshot. Right. Just you can.
2: No, I I thought the movie was it was exactly what I wanted. And I went with my husband who knew nothing about Deadpool. Like he, he, he is as much of a Deadpool version as you're going to find. And um, he just, and he loved it. Um, I thought it was, it was just so perfect. It was exactly what I wanted. And I loved it you know, Ryan Reynolds ran with the meta of, of the character and his own career in there.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: And it was fantastic. It was like the, the, between the action figure and just his comments about Green Lantern. I love the whole eighties references throughout it. Um, it just was perfect. And it, it wasn't pandering either. It, 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 you know, some of these things could have came off as stupid and pandery. Instead, I felt like this movie knew that how savvy the fans of the character are and who was going to see it. They knew people would get it, and they did in droves, and that is why it's made, like, $200 million. And
0: what's yeah. nice is, like, like the best shows or movies that have Easter eggs, um, you don't have to be a fan because the Easter eggs aren't distracting. Right. You can go and just enjoy this as a hilarious action packed comic book movie. And, you know, you don't have to necessarily get the joke about Stuart or McAvoy. You know, (laughs) it's not, you're not going to be confused by that. You're not going to be distracted by that. You're still going to enjoy the movie. Um, you know, if you don't get, what that action figure is it's not a big deal you can just go yeah. and enjoy everything else but the fans are going to get it so that's just an yeah. extra layer for the fans like,
1: yeah like just like you said Jess your your husband being a Deadpool version but he's still aware of geek universe things Right. my wife completely Deadpool virgin doesn't get like all little Easter egg things in there, but still absolutely loved the film. Thought it was hilarious. Now, to be fair, to be biased, I wouldn't be a geek if I didn't have something to complain about.
2: Here we go. And I have,
1: (laughs) I have three, I have three very minor quibbles about the film. Extremely minor. This film is freaking fantastic. Like I would give it a very solid eight out of 10. Um, but it it loses those two points for these three little things. Uh, first one, he didn't heal fast enough. (laughs) No, I'm serious. Like in the comics, Deadpool's healing factor is, is like far superior to that of like Wolverines and Sabertooth. In that you can cut his head off and he can just pick it up and put it back on and he will heal. It's not instantaneously, but it's not too far off from it. So there's that. The second one is that, you know what, Ryan Reynolds he's a very pretty man. But even after he went through the transformation, I felt he was still a little too pretty when he took the mask off. <laughs> like they didn't, they didn't quite ugly him up enough.
2: I don't know if you could ugly him up to the extreme that you would want him to be. I ugly. know it's a tough he's just job. too damn pretty. He's too pretty. He knows it. it. Yeah.
4: He's he's listen,
1: people's sexiest man alive. I you know I can't compete with that. I can't I can't go against that kind of heat. I mean I'm I got a fine rump, but he's but yeah I think they could have they could um uglied him up a little bit more. The third one was, uh, the character of Colossus was done great. The way he looked on screen, felt like. It would have looked good for a CG effect 10 years ago. Well,
2: and I think that one's and due to think, the
1: budget. Think, yeah, they, they, well, not so much the budget, but halfway through production, they changed the design of the character. So they had to go back and redo a whole bunch of stuff. So they might have just ran out of time. Um, so those, I, I just think that he didn't, he could have looked, as far as a, a CG, like we're, we're living in a world. Where CG characters are so advanced now that you know, unless obviously you can tell the characters like Gollum and any number of characters are CG characters because things that look like that don't exist in real life. I just think they could have could have to as pun intended as this could be they could have put a little more polish on Colossus. <laughs> So, yeah. But Arnaud, I absolutely love films. Does anyone, do either of you agree with any of those?
2: I agree with Colossus. I, I think I, I think it would have been better served to have a dude in a suit. I really do. I think they could have done that and done it well. There's enough good prosthetic work out there. They could have done something like that instead. Because I'm getting kind of sick of the, I mean, the Hulk looks great, but he's still kind con- of, you know, they're still working out the bugs on those guys. You know, it's... Mm. But, um, I will tell you this one thing that I really dug about what this movie has done is um we've we've had some r rated comic book movies in the past, but this one's sort of like up the bar and shown that you know oh, yeah. the adults are are willing to go out and see it i I'm really tired of the kids that you know the the children that um people were wanting to take and then complaining about the movie it's like what did you think you were going to go see
1: <laughs> it upped the bar and then took the bar and used it in several uh
2: yeah and one scene in particular um but the thing that i think is, is really cool about this is the fact that now they're talking about the last hurrah wolverine movie is going to be an r-rated one and that mm-hmm. makes me so excited
1: And that's a problem I have is that we're seeing now that because this R rated film was successful, now Fox is going all X Men movies are going to be rated R. Like Wolverine could be rated R, X Force could be rated R. And it doesn't, you don't need, can you make an R rated Wolverine movie and it'd be great? Yes, you can. But do you necessarily need to for the character? I don't think so.
2: Well, the I problem- mean,
1: obviously, for a Deadpool movie to work, it helps that it's rated R. But we've had, you know, obviously there have been some misfires, Origins, um, but like the last Wolverine movie is PG-13. Uh, the the X Men movies are PG-13, well, and they've been.
2: The last Wolverine <laughs> movie to me was not great, and I think part of the thing is with with him going out with an R rated flick, you're allowing them to go into the dark places of that character and you're, uh, which we know they're there like origins in the comics is a dark, bloody, visceral comic book. And I think that that character would be more better served with an R rated film that lets them go there with it instead of these, I guess the silver samurai crap that they did in that last movie that, wasn't so great they didn't go you know i love those stories of wolverine i love the the darker turns that he takes i origins is one of my favorite comic books and i felt like i got cheated out of that
1: origins was good i think you can tell um an origins movie based on the comic book and have it be pg-13 and still get everything in there
2: i i i don't think you'd get it as good as you think because we've seen what they do with a PG thirteen Wolverine, and yeah, I mean, Wolverine and the the, the the purely Wolverine, Wolverine movies weren't that good, and we know with that. The,
1: with the- but I don't think
2: that
0: has anything to do with the rating of the movie. No, because we have wonderful <laughs> PG thirteen comic book movies. Yes, so just, the fact that the Wolverine movies were PG thirteen has nothing to do with the fact that they may or may not have been good. I think the problem with making the last movie rated R is that you've already set up the PG-13 universe, and uh, this may be a bit of a stretch, but can you imagine if you've seen Star Wars Episode 4 you've seen The Empire Strikes Back, and then they're like, well, we're going to make Return of the Jedi an R-rated movie. How many people are going to miss out on it? You've got Wolverine fans, I think a lot of young Wolverine fans that are going to well, have to sneak in if you have a rated R. I mean,
2: there's a there's a balancing act with it. I know that, but at the same time, I I would like to see my R-rated Wolverine movie. Well, I then, would love to see that character be unleashed completely and have a good script that isn't afraid to go into the dark places that Wolverine goes in the comics. Well, since
0: I firmly believe that Hugh Jackman's last Wolverine movie will not be the last Wolverine movie. <laughs> Then make his PG thirteen part of the tr- make it a trilogy, if you will, and then when they come back with whoever's playing the next Wolverine, start with rated R. So then you've set the precedent for the next era of Wolverine.
2: I don't know who could play him though. He's so perfect for it.
0: They'll find somebody. There is, Wolverine's not going to no, sit no. on the shelf. <laughs> He's not the elf on the shelf.
2: Well. I think um, it's time to talk about Street Fighter V. So we're gonna Yay! bring we're gonna bring our special guest on, and um, Carl, I'm gonna let you introduce her to everybody and give some background on the lovely Cujo Katie. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How are you? <laughs> Doing great.
4: Hey, Katie, how's
1: it going? Great. All Ladies right, gentlemen and girl nation, I would like you to meet Cujo Katie. Kujo Katie is an exemplary member of the fighting game community. She oh, man, streams I don't know. On Twitch. She <laughs> I don't know streams about on that. Twitch. She's getting into commentary. Uh, she's an amazing cosplayer and a great representative of the fighting game community. Kujo Katie, welcome to the show.
2: What's going on? Hey, guys. Hello. is hey, it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, uh, this week is special. For I'm, my husband, actually, I've, I've said this before on the show, is a huge Street Fighter fan right. and, and has played in the uh, finals and the world championships and everything back in the day. Nice. And um, I know Carl. Carl is one of the biggest Street Fighter fans I know. And it's, uh, we're really excited. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy that the, the franchise is still going. And they're managing to keep it fresh from what I can tell from Carl, who's got Thumb Numb. Numb Thumb? Numb Thumb. Uh,
1: the, the thumbs are
2: hurting.
1: <laughs> yeah. The, the age, two days and the, the, the thumbs are hurting. The age is definitely showing. But, oh, of course, we are, yeah, we are talking about Street Fighter V, uh, which did hit yesterday. Um, so we've got roughly 48 hours with a give or take, uh, Katie, what are your first impressions of street fighter five?
4: Well, um, I, you know, I have to say I played the beta on and off They, you know, they gave us the ability, uh, a few times to be able to play the beta. And I thought that they were putting a lot of good work into it. Um, from what I can tell, I like. A lot of the new designs for the characters, because this is technically supposed to be a new game. So some of the older, more traditional characters that we're used to seeing a certain way, like Ken, um, you know, and even Vega to a certain point, they're trying to freshen them up and make them kind of like new characters again. Um, they introduced four brand new characters into the game. And for right now, we have the ability to play through uh, a small portion of the story mode, and we can play online. But the full story mode, I think, isn't going to be released until sometime later in March. Uh,
1: June for the story mode. Yeah. The yeah the story. Capcom announced that full story mode is coming out in June. It seems like with this oh, game. Turn. Uh, Capcom is following suit of what Rare Microsoft did with Killer Instinct which was to give like, I don't want to say a bare bones game right out the door, but a game that admittedly is limited in its features and its content and right. saying that content will be added later on, which unfortunately is where a lot of games seem to be going nowadays. It's just this is the world we live in. We're not getting "quote unquote" finished games uh, right out the door.
2: I'm shocked but, that they're not doing a story mode in the game when it came out. That's like typical, well, isn't there, it? There, there is very
1: small. a yeah, yeah it's a very bare bones story mode that you can play through. It's so it's so brief, and it gives you a basic background of the character but it's not what you're used to in traditional Street Fighter games. Right. Uh, One great thing I think that Capcom is doing with this is all downloadable content that's coming out for the game, you can earn in the game without having to purchase it. Oh, that's nice. (laughs) You you still have the option to purchase it if you want, um, but in the game you can earn fight money by completing uh, different uh, modes of the game competing online and winning uh, and through that fight money. You can buy the new characters that'll come out, new alternate costumes, things like that.
2: Yeah.
4: Now, it's Katie- a nice, uh, it's a nice sort of like a prize for people that do put in the time, you know, to practice and to play. And at the same time, the more that you get to play all the different characters earning these points the more you learn the game and how to play against those characters
1: yeah exactly that's i mean that's one of the things we love about fighting games especially street fighter, Is the growth that happens from you know when you first pick up the game to you know street fighter 4 had an eight-year lifespan and yeah. we can only assume that street fighter 5 is going to be along those lines um now i know you are a vega player and you had alluded previously to the changes that were made in some of the characters. I think a lot of these changes were made just to, to kind of freshen up the older characters. Right. Uh, Vega's Vega was traditionally a charge character, which means you, to pull off his special moves, you have to like hold the stick in a certain direction for a couple seconds and then mm-hmm. throw it forward with the attack button instead of like a traditional motion character. Vega now is a... They converted him to a traditional motion character. So how do you feel about the changes there?
4: Well... The changes are huge. I mean, it's it's a huge difference. But it is also a huge difference in the fact that he's got a lot more mobility now. Um, when you have a charge character and you're always holding back or trying to do things and you have to try to hold that charge, it really limits the things that you can do so giving the ability now that he can move around a lot more and and even be more aggressive that way uh is going to change everything up for a lot of us vega players i was talking to some of my friends actually a little earlier tonight about that and he told me that he feels Almost everything that we learned about Vega in uh, Street Fighter 4, you might as well just throw right out the window. Wow. Because this one <laughs> is totally different than any of the other ones, and right now, I feel that a lot of us Vega players are still sort of trying to figure out what we can do, what we can't get away with, Um you know and a lot of that i can even see me personally i can just see in the spacing his spacing seems a little different uh there's just different things going on but yeah the fact that he's going to be a uh, non-charged character that's going to be something new and and that'll be even better for when you want to play other non-charged characters
2: so out of the new characters who do you have you played in how have you played them and and who do you like out of the new ones they've added
4: I've played a little Rashid. Uh, He's a new character. Um, He's a uh, Middle Eastern guy, and he seems pretty good. He seems to also have a lot of mobility and uh, have a lot of options, options for a rushdown. Uh, Also, I've played some Nicali, and I think he's supposed to be from South America, and he seems to be more... I don't know, Carl. Would you say he's kind of like a grappler or a brawler? Maybe
1: he's he's definitely just like a brute force brawler. He hits yeah. like a tank, and he can he can take away like half your life bar before you even know what hits you.
2: Damn! Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I was looking at the site um, that they had list, and they listed them off, and it looks like he's like a super with power. And the other one that looks like a major power hitter is Birdie.
1: Yep. Birdie's a returning character from the, originally he was in Street Fighter 1, and then they resurrected the character for the Street Fighter Alpha series, and he's a returning character from that. He, from what we've seen in some of the early tournaments that were run in the game, he is looking to be a very strong character, which is coming as a surprise to a lot of people. They didn't expect. Yeah, he
4: looks ridiculous.
1: Yeah, they didn't expect him to be as strong as he looks so far. But like right now, it's the great thing about this is it's so early in the game's development is that you can take a look at everybody and see strengths in everybody. Like I was with our community last night, at a location that we all get together and play at, and someone was playing as Fang, the, another one of the new characters. And after five or six matches, I couldn't do anything against this character. And I'm just like, this character is going to win Evo. This character is going to win the biggest tournament. And that's, yeah. and looking at that saying, and that's like a day two reaction. And obviously these things get changed and balanced and patches are made and characters change. And that's the great thing about Street Fighter is that people make the jokes that, oh, it's Street Fighter, Street Fighter champion edition, super ultra turbo edition, like these new editions. That's the game being evolved to what it's ultimately intended to be.
4: Now, who were you using, Carl?
1: I am surprisingly enough, like traditionally in the past, my mains have been uh, Blanca, Ryu, and in Ultra Street Fighter 4 is Rolento. I'm okay. currently using, I'm going back and forth between Kami and Rashid. Oh, okay. For, for my primaries, and as like a backup backup characters, I'm going with Ryu and Zangief.
4: Now, who were you using against Fang?
1: I was, I tried uh, Kami and Rashid against Fang.
4: Wow. And his, okay. his
1: keep-out game is incredibly strong.
4: Wow. It's,
1: the key to being beating Fang is you have to get up on him at the start and not let off. Because if he can get you out, he can keep you out very easily.
2: Wow. Yeah, it looks like he's a big-time range character is what I'm taking yeah, away from. I, I'm reading the stuff on him, and it sounds like he's, that's his thing is his strength.
1: Oh yeah, he, he poisons you like crazy and it's, it's so annoying.
4: Um, and he is I think he's one of uh, well he's two two charge characters are in Street Fighter 5 so one of them is Bison and well, he is third, like,
1: uh, three, Fang, three. And who's the third? Chun-Li
4: she's a charge character
1: yeah the ma- oh not, I didn't know that not all of her moves are charge moves, but the majority of them still are.
4: Okay. Okay. Yeah,
1: like her lightning kick is no longer a charge move. It's an input command. Okay. But pretty much uh, her air lightning kick is an input command, but her spinning bird kick, her kikioken, uh fireball, uh, those are still uh, charge moves. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, we're obviously very excited about Street Fighter V. It's finally come. Um, let's, let's learn some more about UK because this is fangirl radio and you are, um, a woman in what is generally perceived by the uninitiated for lack of a better term in a man's kind of subculture, the fighting game subculture. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> no, it's I, true. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it's unfortunately true, but it fortunately also thanks to you and thanks to some others. It's also a perspective that is gradually maybe not as quickly as we'd like but gradually is changing what are your experiences like being a woman in the fighting game community and being the uh, a presence that you are like on on twitch and when you go to uh tournaments you're starting to commentate now um you do you're famous for a lot of cosplay that you do in tournaments um, what what are your perspectives and experiences as a woman in the fighting game community?
4: Um, for me personally, I would think, honestly, it's the same for me as it would be for anybody else. I joined the, well, I don't even know if it's say joined. I think we all sort of start the same. You play the game because you like it. And then you hear that there's these tournaments and you think, oh, you know, well, I'd like to experience that and see what this is about. And then you meet people at the tournaments and you make friends and then you get more involved. You know, I I don't know if anyone can truly join the FGC. It's sort of like you're more um, slowly uh, maybe introduced to it, you know, but um I'd have to say with all the tournaments that I've been to, everyone has always been completely nice. I've never uh, had any type of uh, incidents or anything at any tournament. Uh, I've always had a great time. Um, Let's see here. You do get people on, because I used to play on the PlayStation 3, uh, Xbox 360, and now on uh, PlayStation 4. You're going to get people that are going to write messages you're going to get people on Facebook and on Twitch that are going to write messages. Um, I think that comes and goes with any woman or man that's in the scene because people sometimes just like to let it out and say all kinds of stupid stuff. I, I don't, you know, it, it happens to all of us. That's not just a, just a woman or just a man thing. Um, but, you know, overall, I'd have to say my experience has been pretty pretty solid it's been good and um yeah and I've met countless of um friends really nice people and what's great is is that see we all live all over the world so at the bigger tournaments you go to you get to see these friends that are from Japan from England from you know South America they're from everywhere and you get to meet up and catch up about what happened during the last six months or the last year or two years. And then you all sort of, you know, go your separate ways. And and honestly, it would be really nice if, uh, say, the online play was strong enough to handle, you know, a lot of those international matches and things like that for, you know, training room practice and such. But um, I don't know if we're at that point, you know, just yet. But uh, hopefully, because I think that would really help out a lot of people, you know, if you don't have friends, you know, that are immediately right next to you.
1: Yeah, and I just want to take a moment to point out it's a, something that's true testament to your character is because you, you stream on Twitch uh-huh. and your stream, your stream popularity has been growing. Uh, there was recently an article that Red Bull did on you and that, garnered some more attention and you know i've had the pleasure of being able to you know be in the lobby on your stream and get a couple matches with you and things like that yeah you always have a really positive stream and like unfortunately last night you posted just some i'm not even gonna justify it by rigging it we're just gonna say someone just messaged you just pure ugliness okay and here's you,
4: what's funny about you, that
1: Used words that should never be used towards a woman and the grace of which you handled it right and just kind of brushed it off is is an example to uh, not just female gamers but gamers everywhere of how to properly behave in a situation like that.
4: For me in in that situation, especially when I first started um, I got a lot more messages like that. Uh, the more that people, Started to know me and see me around and everything. I I started to get less, but they, they come in here and there. I didn't honestly even really know that that message was even sent until I was streaming one night. And somebody on the stream said, Hey, I sent you a message and a friend request. Go go in there and, and you know, and retrieve it. I said, okay. So I went went to the messages because I generally don't even look at my messages at all. I just sort of flick through real quick to see which ones are from my friends, you know, that I recognize, and then I'll just read them real fast. Well, as I was going through the list of messages, everybody else saw it on the screen, and I didn't even see it until I looked at the Twitch chat, and they said, hey, that guy's calling you this and calling you that. I said, what? And then I looked, and I said, oh, man this is going to have to be one that I'm going to read offline. <laughs> so so yeah. so yeah, I did read it. And um, I did make the mistake once when I first started playing in the community of writing, writing stuff back and forth. And I learned really quick that the more that you respond to something like that, the longer it gets drawn out. Yeah. You know, and there's no reason for it. It's just a waste of time, so yeah. all I did was i put in a um put in a report you know for them to for them to review it, and then I figured, you know what, I think this is something <laughs> that everybody else might want to see, you know to let them know you guys aren't the only ones that deal with this, and then you know, I blocked his name out. I mean, I still have it saved in my playstation. I could easily you know, take a picture of his name too, but I figure, you know what? I already reported him to Sony. I'm not going to do anything else. So I just took a picture of the message and blocked his name out. And just to show everybody, you know, that if, you know, they're getting harassed, they're not the only ones. And just ignore those people at the end of the day, it's just a waste of time, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, We're, we're running, Running thin a little bit here. Um, oh, we got, okay. more, we got one more guest to get to you, but really quickly, I just wanted to mention that Eric was a big fan of your Taskmaster cosplay.
4: Oh, man. Hey. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Oh, absolutely. I love Taskmaster, and when I heard that you cosplayed, I had to find
1: that picture. Yeah. Any oh, yeah, uh, any cosplay great. plans for upcoming tournaments?
4: You know what? Um, I have something that is not... Sometimes I just... Uh, don't necessarily make the whole thing. It's just something that I kind of just throw together a little bit. So I have something for the um, uh, final round, but I I can't let the surprise out. <laughs>
1: oh. Awesome, uh, Katie. Tell tell the people where they can find you. Where can we find you on Twitch? Where can we find you on social media?
4: Um, if you guys want to uh, send some tweets or anything like that. I am at Cujo Kate on uh, on Twitter. Um, you'll find me, you know, sending out uh, messages about streaming on Twitter and on my Facebook. That's Cujo Katie, um, and I stream, you know, in the evenings, Street Fighter Five and Four. Uh, let me see here, and I guess the Twitch the Twitch channel would just also be Cujo Kate. Yeah. Awesome.
2: Awesome. <laughs> Dual. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality. Oh, that's the wrong game. <laughs> <That seems laughs> a Sorry. We're all in the same family. It's okay. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. And I love what you're doing for, for women and, and fandom because fandom is kind of like a double-edged sword. You get the best of people and you get the worst of people. And it's fantastic that you handle that kind of thing with grace. And that's, that just shuts them up quicker than anything else.
4: Well, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, if you start making things, I feel, a public issue, it's just going to completely spiral out of control. Exactly. So you can't, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't uh, fire everybody up. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it just gives them what they're looking for. And I I really appreciate that, that you, uh, you shut them down like that with just by not taking the bait and that's awesome yeah and, and i love that's... that you kick guys' asses it's just really cool
4: <laughs> <laughs> well hey i'll tell you what this is uh real quick because i know you've got you've got someone else to get to real quick but at um, the northeast East conference which was mid-december time um i guess i had been playing vega for about uh probably since 2010 um Using him, I actually, in Losers, made it out of my pools, and then I made 25th. Wow. Yeah.
1: That was a, it was a great run for you in that tournament. I and know. I'm still, I, I'm still I in shock. Be, I will be the first to testify that, guys, Kujo Katie is not just in her pretty face. She has handed me my butt numerous occasions <laughs> in Street Fighter. So, oh, wait. I'm going to be seeing you this Saturday, aren't I, at the tournament? yeah awesome cool can't wait for it
4: yeah so it's gonna be it's gonna be good times i just hope that i can get uh street fighter 5 under control because that game is it's totally new (laughs) Yep, it's gonna be fun times
1: yeah we're all looking forward to it
2: awesome well thank you so much for coming on katie we really love yeah you're welcome and we'll have you back if when uh whenever you'd like we'd love to have you back on Great. Well, thank you again. And, uh, guys, uh, look for her on Twitch and all over social media, it sounds like. And uh, kick, kick butt, man. Kick butt. All right. Thank Woo! you so much. We'll see you guys later. See ya. Bye. Bye. So, everybody, we are going to be bringing on now um, our special guest, Patrick Baker, because this is like every fandom we're covering this this episode, we're going to be bringing on Patrick to talk about Doctor Who and the fact that Patrick has just written and it's being released right now a really fun parody magazine that actually speaks to me on a deep level. Um, he has written Tardis Beat, which is a uh, parody of Tiger Beat. Where the doctor is the centerfold, and all things within it. So, Patrick, welcome to Fangirl Radio.
3: Hey, you got it. Thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> and uh, I gotta tell you, this—I, you know, I don't find this a parody. I—I I think a lot, myself, and a lot of girls are uh, of a mind that the doctor should have his own Tiger Beat feature.
3: Oh, he's just dreamy, isn't he? He he's totally. Just... <laughs> He's just so scrumptious and so dreamy. I it's, it's it's lovely. It's just lovely.
2: So, what inspired this? Because that it's it's hilarious and fantastic, and I love it. So, what made you want to do this?
3: Well, you know what? What honestly inspired it more than anything was kind of a very practical endeavor. So, I would be with Devastator Press, who is the publisher, uh, at conventions, and then a common thing would be we would have uh, people show up usually dressed either in a bow tie or in a TARDIS dress. And they would very directly walk up to the booth and go, do you have any Dr. Who stuff? And the answer at the top <laughs> was we had like a couple of Dr. Who pieces in a, in a, in some anthologies. And we had like one sticker. Uh, how are we on swearing on this show?
2: Uh we're FCC. So great.
3: So then I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so We had a sticker that said, uh, get the F out of my time machine. And, uh, they usually would just buy that, and th- I got the sense that I was like, all right, so there's a need for Doctor Who stuff. They want the Doctor Who stuff. Let's try and make something for them.
2: That is hilarious. So why Tiger Beat? Why did you go that route with it?
3: Well, I, I, I think I, I, a lot of these folks were, uh, the, the people that kept coming up were initially, uh, you know, they, they, they were teenage girls, and, so, and they were so excited. It was kind of that excitement that you would see from a Justin Bieber or something like that. But at the same time, like, the more I thought about it, the more I realized that, like, I've got a lot of friends who are really serious Whovians that don't fit that mold at all, that are, like, super, they've got their TARDIS dress as well, uh, but they are also very, very interested in uh, how the butterfly effect would work or whether or not there are, like, alternate universes out there. So the casual fan that's kind of getting lampooned and TARDIS beat uh, would sometimes come up to the booth, but I also realized that anybody who's probably going to buy this is a serious fan Who's also going to be in on the joke?
2: <laughs> now, and and that's the thing that I like about what you did here is you didn't just focus on the new Who stuff. You got classic Who in there too, which is great. And that speaks to my hardcore fandom in me from this. And I, I really, I'm sorry though i i i'm a I'm a fangirl, so I find the Doctor attractive in many versions of him, not just you know your little youngie youngie pup one that seems to be. The way it goes, but I'm curious to ask you, have you, um, it, it sounds like you're obviously a Doctor Who fan, it sounds like.
3: I mean, it's something, it's something I've come into. I, I would say when I started this process, I actually knew knew less than uh, than I do now. I, I've, I've, I've always been a big time travel fan, and I've always had a big uh, Anglophilia streak in me. So the show was always something that was on my radar, but I don't think I really dived into it really heavily until recent years, I would say.
2: Oh, gotcha. So I, I do like the fact that you you included the classic stuff, but I find it funny because you may not have witnessed um, the ageism that happened recently, or, not, or, or did you see that happen with the show? Because when they announced Peter Capaldi, you had so many um, fans that had came on for the the new who stuff and didn't really it it seemed like they didn't even realize that there was about 40 years plus of stuff before that happened that uh the young guy was being replaced by an older gentleman and they didn't like it
3: (laughs) yeah i you know now that you're mentioning that it does vaguely ring a bell i remember that idea that they were like what is this silver fox doing here? <laughs> and, it, and I have always been a big Peter Capaldi fan. He was part of a show that I loved in Britain called The Thick of It. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, I love The Thick of It. And so when Peter Capaldi got named as, as the new Doctor, I was super excited. And I would argue that he is probably my favorite, uh, due, in, due in small parts of my big fandom of The Thick of It. Um, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Like, we're dealing with a... History. The first Doctor was super old. Like, he was actually quite literally the grandfather of uh, someone that was traveling with him, if I recall.
2: Right. And what's funny is Capaldi was the same age as him, but William Hartnell, who was the first Doctor, played older than he was. So it it was interesting. And when this big... uh, I got involved with a bunch of the fighting online because I was like, you're not going to... I'm going to defend my guy here because... You apparently don't realize that when this started, the guy was the same age as him. And, and, I mean, the average age of the doctor is 40-something.
3: Also, let's let's be realistic here. The average age of the doctor is like billions of years <laughs> old. Now! Like if, we're, if, we're, if we're really, if we're going to talk, like, if we've got fans that are squabbling over, oh, he's too old looking. This is a shape-shifting alien. That is billions of years old and is not sexual in any way. It is an alien. Exactly. So I think I think let's work from there and then work it out from from that point.
2: Well, and and the other thing too that I've uh, is has been going on that I've I've kind of had a problem with, kind of had a problem with, uh, I have a lot of problem with it is the fact that they've immediately started talking about who's going to be the doctor next with Capaldi. They, I mean, they you didn't hear that with. With Matt Smith, you didn't hear that with really with David Tennant either. But with Capaldi, it almost immediately started. And I think that's just kind of rude to a guy like that, an an actor who takes this role as seriously as he does and loves it so much. Um, I just have a problem with it. It's just a rude thing to do. Yeah.
3: I mean, it might also be potentially that you're dealing with, uh, I mean, I'm I'm trying to, what year did Matt Smith take over?
2: (sighs) Twenty two, 2011,
3: 2012, 2011. Yeah. So, so here's my thesis. And, and it's not backed up by any science. But my thesis is that in 2005, you did not have hyperactive uh, social media the way you do now. And even by 2011, I think it was probably a little a little slighter. Like there, there, there's just so much chatter around everything. I mean, we started talking about who our presidential candidates were going to be uh almost immediately after uh 2012 uh so i, I think this is something it's, it's it's rude to capaldi one but i also think it might be a larger symptom of just we just want to know what's next all the time forever and when people are talking about the things they love uh and doctor who is obviously the thing that people love tremendously uh there's just a need to want to have constant chatter
2: oh yeah and that's a good point it, it's kind of kind of grown and it's now this worldwide phenomenon, and you just hear about it immediately. It's true, and and that's kind of, kind of nuts. But I, I love I I gotta go back to your the, the Tardis beat. I, I love what. Okay, so how did you design this? How, what went into this? What thought did you go go through for, to put this together? Because it's it's really cute. It's adorable. Oh
3: well, thank you. <laughs> um, the first step was I, a grown man, read a bunch of Tiger Beats. and. <laughs> Uh, I sat through those and I kind of got the idea of like, okay, here's how the articles are formatted. Here's a, here's a pretty standard uh, TARDIS beat or no, I'm sorry, tiger beat uh, format. And so once we had that, uh, I did what I've had other comedian friends call mirror, uh, like mapping, uh, mirroring or mapping where you take the format and then just fill in different specifics around it. So you try and write the closest as you can to a Tiger Beat article using specifics that do not belong in a Tiger Beat. And in this case, it would be, uh, you know, a shape-shifting, time-traveling alien who does not have time for this BS. <laughs> just simply does not understand why this is happening. Has so many other things to do. Has already given an interview to this magazine three times and they don't seem to understand it. Uh, and so <laughs> it would be, it, it was that. It, it was a process of figuring out uh, where the marriage of of two pop culture things would be so that they could still resemble each other, uh, but make something that feels new and new and at the same time familiar.
2: That's funny. I I love your a day in the life of the 12th doctor thing. That was hilarious and reasons to date a man wearing an improbably huge scarf.
3: Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I, I, I feel I made some compelling points. I I bought a larger (laughs) scarf after I made them. I think I've made myself, more attractive i mean uh, i'll let i'll let the women of the united states of america decide but i i've got a larger scarf now ladies so you can
2: that's not a euphemism he actually has i I bought a larger (laughs) scarf i had to go to new
3: york and it was cold
2: so oh go ahead eric
0: well i was just ever since seeing tardis beat there's just one question that has been driving me crazy and that is who would make a better doctor david cassidy or sean cassidy
3: Uh Wow. That's good. I don't know. I I feel like I'm not sure I have an opinion on that. What what is your why? <laughs>
2: I don't know. Sean Cassidy knows how to solve mysteries probably better Exa- than David.
3: That's <laughs> where I was
0: going with it. But but David can well they both sing. That's true. But the bus, you got the colored bus.
2: That could be a TARDIS
0: t- Yeah, exactly.
2: But then you have the Hardy boys, who he already has a companion and his brother, who would go on to be in Probe. So he's a scientist.
3: I mean, how aerodynamic is this colored bus? Do we <laughs> think it's to about as it?
0: aerodynamic as a as a phone booth?
3: <laughs> yeah, we don't seem to have a problem launching the phone booth through atmosphere. So that implies, do we think the colored bus is bigger on the inside?
2: Mm, it I has to be because it holds like an entire family of partridges yeah, it, it fit that whole
0: band and their <laughs> equipment you assume, I assume their equipment was in there too so
3: yeah okay yeah I mean I think that's
2: <laughs> and all the vodka that Danny Bonaducci would have to drink so much vodka so much vodka
1: his companion would just be a vodka bottle that never emptied, <laughs> emptied.
3: <laughs> just magically refills itself
2: Yes. The Sonic
1: vodka
3: bottle. The- All right. Well, I, I think we've made a solid case here for just giving Peter Capaldi the bus and a bottle of vodka. Oh, right. God.
2: I would be okay. I would watch that show. Peter Capaldi well, driving a bus. Out. Rock out. <laughs> yes, it's true. He's already shown that he well, he's been in a band. Come on. Sure. Him and I would watch him and Craig Ferguson drive that bus around drunk off their asses on vodka and just being Scottish.
3: Just spinning yarns. God, yeah. yes, That'd I, be great.
2: I would, I, I would watch the hell out of that, actually, or drop acid because they did that too. So
3: <laughs> perfect. I, I know Craig Ferguson has experience with that. I cannot speak to Peter Capaldi. Oh no, but... he
2: he talked about it when he was on his show.
3: Oh, great, perfect, <laughs> good.
2: It was it was very it was very awkward and I'm thinking the BBC is going to pull this the moment they've announced you as the doctor. So pull. do
3: okay so then I'm going to now lobby for the next doctor being Craig Ferguson and Peter Capaldi. Just like <laughs> and, and usually when we go through the usual transformation process like Peter Capaldi stays but just like Craig Ferguson just like pulls out of him and becomes a second guy and then it becomes like Scottish buddy cop through time and space. I would
2: watch the hell out of that. Oh my god! I think Craig Ferguson's actually campaigned for that before himself. <laughs> it would not—it would not surprise me because he's had it. He does Tardis stuff all the time. On well, he used to. I miss his show.
3: Yeah, I loved him. I really loved. I mean, this is this is such a, a sidetrack, but I I loved the way he did monologues. I thought he was the best. At doing monologues in late night. I really thought he was great at that.
2: I loved how he made it like the connection with you immediately. Like you were the camera and you were like talking to him. He was talking directly to you. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic. And he just, I loved that he just didn't care. He just would just go with it. He was just a consummate BSer. So he, that's, that was what's so great about his interviews. I was very sad when that went away.
3: Well, I mean, don't worry. When we go and we pitch the BBC on the Peter <laughs> Capaldi Craig Ferguson TARDIS thing, we'll make sure that Craig Ferguson can do, like, the talking skeleton and all the other bits that...
2: that oh, we- his skeleton robot army. Sure. Uh, they could so- it fit. It, they would work with the Cybermen. I, that, yes. That would, that, would, that would be perfect. Well, Patrick, this has been a blast. And I know that you, you work for BuzzFeed and you've done stuff for them. And, and you're also a writer on the regular show, too, correct?
3: Yes, I am. I, I used to work uh, at BuzzFeed, and then now I work for regular show on Cartoon Network.
2: Nice. So where can people – um, we can go to devastatorpress.com slash TARDIS and find uh, TARDIS Beat. But where else can they find stuff by you and find you online?
3: Well, there's a, there's a whole bunch of things at uh, Devastator Press uh, that you can find. Uh, one other book that I wrote uh, is called The Presidential Dicker Book uh the presidential dicker book uh is a sticker book for immature mature readers uh if you are a history fan and you like the idea of a naughty sticker book you're you're gonna like this uh but again you said you were uh the fcc is something we need to worry about here so I say much more about that but you're gonna enjoy that uh you can also if you are in los angeles uh i'm part of a uh sketch team here called bonafide uh, which is every. I, I don't know when our next show is the Upright Citizens Brigade. I think we'll have one starting in March again. And then we should have a monthly sketch show back there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, It's Patrick Baker. Uh, and then please watch uh, the Live and Bejesus out of a uh, regular show.
2: Awesome. I am I am very, very excited. I'm going to be bringing my copy of TARDIS beat to the, uh, I'm doing a doctor who panel at wizard world in Portland this weekend. And I'm going to show off TARDIS beat at this panel because it must be seen.
3: Oh, please. Thank you. I mean, uh, <laughs> send them, send them all our way. I hope they love it.
2: They will. They will. I'm sure. Well, thank you again, Patrick, for joining us. This is great. And feel free to come back on talk anytime. And also just for you, Craig Ferguson's got a new talk show starting on the History Channel this, uh, tomorrow.
3: Oh, right. It's join or die, right? Yes. I'm
2: excited. And, and I think my co-hosts have just given up. They're just like, we're just going to let them talk and geek out. It's, it's great.
3: Guys, watching party. You, you, the, the Two guys that are like giving up, we're going to watch this together. It's going to be great. <laughs> do you have a place that I can crash in Oregon?
2: Yes, I do.
3: Awesome.
2: Cool. <laughs> awesome. Right, slight,
1: slight, slight problem with the plan. Uh, the two guys are not in Oregon. They're not.
2: Where do I go? Well, you'll and have it, to like it it cut it... you into pieces.
1: Yeah, I'm in Buffalo and Eric is in Ohio, I believe.
3: Yes. <laughs> so you just want to like meet in the middle of Lake Erie and like watch Craig Ferguson show on a boat?
2: Yeah. Good for me. That works it's for me. That's not
3: the worst plan. <laughs>
2: awesome.
3: All right, that voting cool. trip for Craig Ferguson. Let's do this.
2: Let's do this. Well, thank you again, Patrick. This has been great. And like I said, TARDIS Beat is so much fun. And you guys should check it out, DevastatorPress.com slash TARDIS. And you can get it digitally or you can get an actual physical print copy because that's still a thing.
3: Still a thing. Thank you guys so much for having me.
2: Thank you, Patrick. Okay, you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, everybody, I want to thank you um, for joining us this episode. And, yes, please, please, if you're in the Portland area and you listen to us, feel free to come out to Wizard World and check check out the panels I'm on. Uh, It's going to be a great show. Even if you don't give a crap about me, it's going to be a fun, fun time. So check it out. And, um, Eric, thank you. And, Carl, we're going to miss you. I'm
1: gonna miss you guys too. I'm gonna to miss Fangirl Nation so incredibly much. I will, I'll be back. I will return. I promise. I'll come back to finish my training. <laughs> you,
2: you better. I'm I'm your damn Yoda, and I'm saying, oh, you better. That was pitiful. That was a pitiful Yoda. Forget <laughs> I even did that. But we will <laughs> miss you.
1: I'm, I'm not going to lie, boss. That was a little closer I, to Jargar than it was to you. I
2: will hurt you. Wow. I will hurt you in so many very horrible ways.
0: Why do you have to go <laughs> on on such a negative note?
2: I know. You know what? He's going to wait. He's going to say it. You know he's going to say something about Bill and Ted.
1: Listen, just be excellent <laughs> to each other, okay? <laughs> I was
2: waiting for it. Just.
1: <laughs> Just be excellent to each other and party on.
2: And with those parting words of wisdom from the American Doctor Who's, plural, um, we wish Carl and his wife a happy and easy and great um, delivery of their baby. And I, um, Aunt Jessica and Uncle Eric, say hi to the little doodlet. And thank you again, Carl. And we will see you in a few months back on the show.
1: Thank you. I will be back.
2: And everybody, Yay. thank you so much for listening to the show. We will see you next week on Fangirl Radio.
3: Bye-bye.
4: See you.